I'm going on a date, and uh, I haven't been on a date with this girl before, and I'd like for you to go because she's bringing a friend, and uh, she wants to double date. I was like, sounds good to me, <laughs> you know. I mean, if somebody wants to go on a date with you, and, uh, and they want to go on a date with me, it must be a great day. He said, there's a catch, though. I told them that you would go, but I told them that you were a cowboy. <laughs> And that you frequently attended rodeos and, <laughs> and lived that lifestyle. That was very untrue. It was not reality. But because a girl wanted to go on a date with me, <laughs> I did my best for as long as I could to pretend that I was a cowboy until she started asking verifying questions to figure out the truth. What kind of horse do you ride? A tall one? <laughs> What rodeos do you go to? The ones with dirt and cows? Oh, really? You don't like to wear cowboy hats? Uh, on dates, I don't. I don't wear cowboy hats on dates. <laughs> so reality began to, uh, to come to the surface, and I had to uh, tell the truth. And then I had to buy dinner because I felt bad <laughs> for lying. Uh, and just, to, just so you know, that date did not work out for me or my friend and uh, ended not so greatly for either of us. Anyways, uh, but there was this moment where I really tried to convince myself and others that I was a, a cowboy, a real cowboy, a cowboy who goes on blind dates, <laughs> a cowboy who wears wranglers and belts with large belt buckles and cowboy hats and all those things to really give off the uh, impression that reality was I was a, a cowboy. Uh, but that was so false, so false. It didn't help my deciding to be a cowboy. It did not help that I knew the fact that her family had lots of money. And uh, that helped me to, uh, to, to convince myself, maybe this is someone that, that I should date. Maybe I should become a cowboy just for the, for the million dollars that, that's potentially uh, behind this family. It was a, a lie from the beginning, but, uh, but how often do many of us take part in things like that? Uh, we want um, we want to uh, to put off this expression that we are something that we are not. Uh, we'll go to great lengths to uh, to show uh, a facade or fakeness about us to uh, to kind of present, hey, this is who I am. But reality is, many of us can see past that. When we get to life after resurrection, you know, last week we celebrated Resurrection Sunday. Christ rises from the dead, and reality begins to set in for many of his disciples. Some of them are still struggling with, uh, did this really happen? Some of them are thinking, is Jesus really the Christ? Is he really the Messiah? And if he is now risen from the dead, what, what's next? What, what happens after, after this? And I would say, just following right into that, we're, st we're starting again in Ephesians Finishing up Ephesians, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. What comes to us is this spiritual battle that we face every day. We face this battle of what's truth and what's lies. What Satan wants us to believe, uh, what the world wants us to believe, and what Christ says is the truth. And so we battle against that every, every day. And we get to this moment in Ephesians chapter 6 that Paul tells us to put on some, some clothing, put on some armor that will help us defend ourselves with the Holy Spirit against the, the forces that we are fighting against. And this morning we get to, we'll begin with the belt of truth. 
the belt of truth. And I'm, I'm looking around here and I'm just assuming, maybe it's a terrible assumption, but you've probably heard something about the belt of truth before or the armor of God before. So my hope is this, that you would not be like high school Matt Thackerson and just pretend and put on the armor of God in pretending or to, to pretend as if you want to fight against evil and fight against the lies of Satan. But instead we, for a moment, uh, through Throughout our time here on Sunday morning, you would say, I want to be real. I want to let reality come into play. I want to be a truthful person. I want to study God's word truthfully so that I can defend myself against the lies that Satan has to throw or is throwing out against me. So we have to be prepared for that. And I think that um, though many of us have heard it, and if you've been in Sunday school ever before, or any kind of vacation Bible school, or any, uh, the armor of God is something that we talk about often. But I want us to think about actually putting it on to defend against the lies of Satan. Let's pray together. God, we do thank you that um, <clears throat> we can depend upon your word. And as we study it this morning, and as we're looking at this letter to the church in Ephesus that Paul wrote, breathed out from you, God, that we can trust is the truth, that it's words from you, words for you, not against you, words to help us, to teach us, to encourage us. God, help us this morning to study this with open eyes, open hearts, that our minds would be clear, God, that our knowledge of you would increase, that our understanding of the battle that we're in would increase, God, so that we would be able to fight this battle, the battle that we are fighting against the schemes of the devil, God. Help us this morning to think about truth, the belt of truth, to be encircled by it, to be wrapped up in it, God, so that we can grow in it, not constricted by it, but God, that so we can grow in it so that we are more like you and like your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You've probably worn a belt before of some sort. Belts are uh, something that we use often. Obviously, the most important part of the belt is that the fact that it keeps your pants up. Uh, if you have trouble with that, some of you men know what I'm talking about, especially plumbers know what I'm talking about. Right, Gary? <laughs> a, a belt is important. It's an important part of hardware on your daily clothing. Uh, some people, we had to say it a lot in student ministry. I can think of one particular student that we had to remind often, when we go on this trip, you will be required to wear a belt. Because we want to see all that God does inside of you. We do not want to see outside of you. So please bring a belt and wear it so that we only see the transformation God is doing, not the stuff that's going on on the outside of your body. <laughs> So a belt is really, really important. It holds things together. Specifically, if you're wanting to move around and walk around. I mean, your pants could stay on probably, your clothing, your armor, whatever it is. You could stay on. You could clip things onto your pants. But if you decide to, to move around, if you don't have some sort of belt, maybe it's just an elastic lining that you're considering a belt in your jogging pants. Whatever it is, you still need something to help hold up the pants, to hold things together, to encircle so that things aren't falling down, so that when you're ready to move, when you're ready to walk or run or fight or whatever it is, you can do that and not have your pants fall down around your ankles. 
Which is funny because in our culture today, is that not commonplace? For your pants to be sagging, a little lower. And how many of you have said, let's make a, a city ordinance that says, your pants have to be around your waist and you got to wear a belt if you got to, I mean, you, you can't be walking around, like we'll just say it like gangster style with your pants sagging down. Like, what is the purpose of that? You're not going to be able to move around. Jokes have been made. How come more criminals haven't been caught? If their pants are down so low and they can't run away, why aren't we catching more criminals? Well, it's because it's not just criminals. Criminals who have saggy pants, saggy britches, right? The belt is an important piece of, of clothing. And when Paul talks about the belt of truth here, we're talking about something that's going to hold things together. The truth that holds things together. I mean, in our information world, anybody else have trouble figuring out what the truth actually is? I mean, we hear stories all the time. We have neighbors just up the road here that swear by seeing UFOs and people from other planets. We have to discern, is this the truth? We have a friend that wrote a book about some government things that aliens are a part of up in northern New Mexico and tunnels, underground tunnels that these things happen and these cattle mutil mutilations and all this stuff. And like, you have to figure out, is this the truth? Brian has issues with the moon landing. Did it really happen? We struggle through. We want to know, are UFOs for real? Can the Cowboys ever win again? I mean, things like this, we struggle with the information that we're given all the time when we want to know what is, what is the truth. We have to daily kind of discern through the information that we're given. We have to decide what is the truth. Is this a lie or is this the truth? If you're connected to the Internet at all, I mean, you can every minute have an update on something that's happening in the world. And just so you're aware of this, I hope you already know, but many people are throwing out false things, lies all the time. This is happening. Oh, no, this didn't actually happen. No, this happened, but that actually didn't happen. This happened. No, this didn't happen. This happened. And there's just this information of we, we like to say we're, we're the information world or we're part of this information society but really we're just a part of a false lying society where we have to really discern what is what is the truth a few months ago at our house um, someone had written with marker a name of a sibling in our house on the wall and so we had to figure out what is the truth here so we begin asking did you write this Name. No, I did not. It was probably this person. Oh, okay. Well, let's ask this person. This person. Did you write this name? Well, unfortunately, the truth was, you know, kind of like the handwriting on the wall. Um, the truth was that the name was misspelled. So we could kind of narrow it down between who wrote this name. So I called all of the children, including Mandy, in. Hey, let's all practice writing our names. So we write our name. Write your own name. Okay. Minus Roxy. She's still having trouble with that. She just signs an X at the moment. So everybody begins to write their names. Okay. Now write this person's name in our family. Okay. They write this person's name. Now, let's come to the one that's on the wall. Write this person's name. Okay. No help. Write this person's name. We look across. Okay. That's spelled correctly. That's spelled correctly. That one's spelled just like the one on the wall. So did you write this one? Yes, Daddy, I did. Did you write this one? No, Daddy. <laughs> I, 
I didn't write that one. Someone else did. Well, that's weird because they look alike. So what this looks like is a spanking to me. Anyways. <laughs> truth. We live in a society of lies. We have to get down. We have to get down to the truth. And so the reason why I feel like Paul, being inspired by God, writes first in this armor of God, that as we're defending against the schemes of the devil, we have to be cinched up with the belt of truth. So we have to come to the conclusion, well, what is, what is truth? Alethea, our friend over here, she knows what truth is because her name is Greek. It means truth. So she's very familiar. She's like, I'm truth, right? My name's Alethea. It's Greek. It means truth. We have to come to a point where we have to say, well, what is, what is truth? And if we just say, well, Fox News is truth, or CNN is truth, or Yahoo.com is truth, or whatever it is, if we're saying those are truth, what's our standard for determining those things are the truth? So we decide in the church world that God's Word, this Bible that we study, is inspired words from God. We say that they're breathed out by Him. Paul tells us that in one of his letters to Timothy, that these words are breathed out by God. They're his words, and we can see that they're the truth. John wrote in John chapter 1 that Jesus, who we're saying, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it for you, but Jesus is this word that was from the beginning, and he, he symbolizes her. He is the truth. He is all of it. And so if we want to know truth, then we should know Jesus. So the simple answer, you can write this as, as point number one and the only point, the simple answer is if you want to know truth, then you should know Jesus because he's the one who is truth. It should solve all arguments in Christian world for sure. When we come down to it, how should we handle this situation? Well, how did the truth handle this situation? Well, how should we react to this? Well, how did the truth react to this? Christ should be the one that's being our measuring point. How we discern things, how we look at things, we should be looking at God's word we should be looking at Jesus. And I'm hopeful that maybe we, we, can, we can do that. The belt of truth. I love what one author says this. She says it this way. The belt of truth encircles you with the confident protection of knowing who God is. I mean, we live in a world at the moment where we struggle with that. Who actually is God? We have many religions who are saying this is God or this is God. And then just in a, a outside of religion world, we, say, we would say these things are God. We had a, a protest going on in Washington, D.C. over the weekend, protesting government saying science is more important and we should, we should give more uh, information to science or let science influence the world more because, because it's, it's, it's proved so many things. And some people would say that in that case, they would be thinking that science is is God. So we're going to wrap ourselves with the belt of truth so that we could know who God is. Then also what Christ has done for you. And I know that's really simple. And last week we spent a whole Sunday thinking about what Christ has done for us. But how often do we forget that? I mean, in the moment of battle, how often do we forget who Christ is? what God has done for us, and who Christ is. I mean, I think about I have not been in battle where guns have been pointed at me or missiles have been shot in my direction or grenades thrown in, in my direction. I haven't been in battle like that. But I think in that moment, I'm not thinking clearly. 
Because of the battle that's going on, because of the present danger that's coming my way, I'm not thinking clearly. So I better be wrapped in something that's going to offer me protection, that's going to help me when I'm not thinking clearly. So I'm going to wrap myself in the belt of truth so that I know who God is and so that I'm confident in what Christ has done for me. Because what Satan wants to do is whisper lies to you or yell lies at you to make you think other things, to help you forget what Christ has done for you and think of other ways that maybe you can save yourself. Christ wants to whisper those, so we have to be surrounded and circled. We've got to have the belt of truth on. So this author says the belt of truth encircles you with the confident protection of knowing who God is, what Christ has done for you, and who you are in light of being in Christ. How often we forget that. Maybe we have confidence and we know who God is. Maybe we've wrestled with it, but we're, we're pretty sure we know what Christ has done for us. But then how often do we forget who we are in Christ? I mean, why is that? People point out all the time, you are no cowboy. You, you may look like one on the outside. You may dress like one. You may have a belt buckle like one. You might wear a shirt like one. But I see that you are not a cowboy. Well, in the spiritual sense, how often does Satan whisper those lies to us? Hey, you, you may attend church. You, you may have sang a song. You, you may have said something at some point that you may think that you are a believer of Christ. But really, I mean, have you really done that? And you begin doubting what you took as confidence. You begin, you begin doubting the word of God where the word says, if you confess and if you believe, you, you begin doubting those moments and you begin thinking, am I really even saved? If you're not wrapped in the belt of truth, can you really have confidence in anything? Yeah, you can't. You can only trust in the lies that you've heard or the lies that you've made up or the lies that you've believed. You're not trusting anything that's solid and forever. I spoke with a, a student just last week about things that are eternal and how often tests that we take at school that determine how smart we are, how unsmart we are, begin to make us think negatively about ourselves, begin making us have a lower um, identity, begin labeling ourselves by a grade that's coming from a test or test scores, and we begin to have this false identity. And then for years later, we're wrapped up in the false identity or wrapped up in the lies that we began believing as a child instead of being wrapped up in the belt of truth. Well, my hope is this, that Christian, if you're here this morning, believer of God, if you're here this morning, one who has confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, I mean, I know you've heard it, but my hope is that you and I would be people who speak truth. That people will be able to say, I, I don't know the answer to this, but I know someone who's always speaking the truth, so let's go ask that person. I mean, there are many moments in the Gospels where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have shared stories of people saying, this guy, Jesus, he's performed these things, but he's also one who tells the truth. So let's go ask him. He's one that's been telling the truth. Let's ask him about the truth. I mean, in the world we live in where we just have lies everywhere, 
those people who belong to God should be the ones that people are running to saying, can you, sh- can you share with us the truth? But we get wrapped up. We, we get like my family and like to share stories. And sometimes those stories grow a little bit. <laughs> Brad, right? I mean, we, we catch a fish. And unless somebody has measured it for us, I guarantee you it's just a little bit bigger than reality. When Paul says in Ephesians 6 here, when he says that we should be wrapped up in the belt of truth or put on the belt of truth, and, and, we, and he uses the Greek word aletheia in this moment, and he says truth is what you should be wrapped up in, he's saying reality. What is reality? Maybe you're a pessimist. Maybe you're an optimist. The other side of maybe you see negatively all the time. Maybe you just see a positive outcome all the time. What Christ is saying is be wrapped up in reality. What is reality? And for people who belong to God, reality is we make Christ priority. We major on the majors. We say that these are the things that really matter. What is reality? Reality is one day I will not be on this earth. My, I will breathe my last breath. And so my hope is that for eternity I will be with God because of what Christ has done for me, because of what Christ is doing for me, because of what Christ is going to do with me. So that's what I'm going to put my confidence in. So my whole life should be wrapped up in reality. What is reality? Seeking God and his kingdom first. So Ephesians chapter 6. We'll just start in verse 10. Ephesians Chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So this is a little bit of a reminder. I know it was several weeks ago, but a reminder of who we're putting our trust in or who we're putting our strength in. Who do we put our confidence in? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his, not, of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the scheme of the devil. Not to get off too much, but the understanding here is if Paul is saying put it on, it must have been taken off or never picked up in the first place. And I think there's a lot of us who just think that we can go without it. Because like we've said before, uh, J.D. Greer has reminded us of this, we are not on a playground, we are on a battleground. And if we're on a battleground and we understand that from these verses, then we would be, it would be wise of us to put on the armor for battle that we're facing. But if we're deceived into thinking that our life is just a playground, then we will constantly be led astray by the schemes and lies of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, someone scheming, someone who's trying to mislead you, trying to uh, take you off course or uh, make you lose direction. We, we joke about it and say, I'm going to play the devil's advocate for a second here. I'm going to mislead you so I can bring you back to where you need to go. Parents do this often. Maybe you don't label yourself as the devil's advocate, but, but you often say, I'm going to lead you in this direction for a moment so you can kind of see from the outside this is what's going to happen if you're, if you're over here. And I'm going to steer you back on course. I'm going to misguide you, mislead you for a moment so I can steer you back on course. Unfortunately, Satan wants to misguide you and lead you off and conti- continue leading you off, not in the way of righteousness, 
but in the way of destruction or death. Verse 12 says, For we do not, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I reminded you when we preached this before. Remember that moment when Peter was acting in a righteous way, so we would think. And he was stepping up to say, I will not allow these things to happen to you, Jesus. I'm not going to allow these things to happen to you. And Jesus simply says to him, get behind me, Satan. Peter's a righteous guy. Peter is one who's been following and walking with Jesus. Surely he's not Satan. But his priority, his thoughts, his vision was focused on something else instead of the eternal things. His vision and his priority was focused on the fleeting or the temporary things. So Christ said, get back on course. See what is priority. Look at the eternal. Focus on those things, not the things that are from destruction. And how often do we think we, someone comes in our direction or comes into uh, our place in the journey of life and we get distracted by them? They say things to us. Maybe they're not so nice things. Maybe they're things that, are, that we take offense to. And so in our offense, we begin to react. And we think, why would they act that way? Well, why did you act that way? Well, well, blah, blah, blah. And then we have to think for a moment. And I love when we're reminded of this. Such someone has something going on in their life that you're unaware of, a struggle in their life that you have no idea. You just get to be the one that's kicked. You get to be the one that receives the anger or the bitterness or the jealousy. You, you get to be the agent who receives that because you're thinking we're fighting against each other, but really there's something deeper and darker and destructive that's going on in your life. And you could be an agent of light. You could be one wrapped in the belt of truth and say, wait a minute, I know you're pointing that at my direction and, and it feels like you're against me and I'm taking offense to that. But, but listen for a moment. Let me give you some truth. Let me show you what reality is. I've used this story before, but uh, we had to buy new tires for Mandy's car one time. And we bought from a local dealer and, and, uh, and trying to build a relationship with this gentleman. And, and, uh, he, he was, he was frustrated and angry all the time. And things never went his way. And people were always out to get him. And so I tried to be as much as I could a, a person of light, a person of uh, encouragement, like the Holy Spirit tries to encourage us, a person who's showing truth and reality to this person. And, we buy a new tires from Andy's car, and there's no warranty because he's just this little local dealer. She drives her car. Uh, rule was, if you have a flat, drive it to a place that's safe. Get off the road. Don't be stuck in the middle of the road or somewhere unsafe. She drives it uh, off the road, gets into a safe spot. She calls. We go. We, the tire is ruined. Can't be fixed. To take it back to him, I say, hey, this tire is ruined. You know, we need to fix it if we can. If it's not, it's just going to be ruined. He says, he's mad. Well, why did your wife do that? Why? You know, he's just going on and on. I'm like, Slow down, bro. Take a breath. You realize it's just a tire. It's just a tire. I don't know if I've shared that with you before, but I mean, in that moment, reality, it's not life ending or life giving. It's just a tire. And that's where Christ would say, I think that's where Christ would come in. When we're wrapped up in the belt of truth, we can step back and we can take a deep breath and we can say, okay, in this moment, what is it? Is it just a tire? Is it life-giving or life-ending? No. Instead, it's just a tire. Let's think about priority. Let's get our vision focused on what's more important. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Not just bits and pieces, 
whatever fits the best or whatever's least awkward. <laughs> you know, as a Christian, you're already awkward. So just put on the armor of God, all of it. Just be awkward with the armor of God on anyways, all right? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand it in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. So what Paul is anxiously trying to tell us, these words breathed out by God, is that we want to be able to stand, not be tripped up and fall, but we want to be able to stand firm and confident in who Christ is, who God is, and what they have done for us and what they're going to do for us. We want to be able to stand firm in that. And the only way we can stand firm in that is to put on the whole armor of God. So we get to verse 14. Stand therefore, standing firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Now it's a little bit backwards, I would say, because uh, usually if you're putting on armor or if you're maybe if you're in law enforcement, your belt that has your, all your stuff on it is probably going to come on last. But, but what's wrapping up here, what we're saying is this truth is so important. It's what binds everything together. If it's false, if it's fake, if it's lies, there is no hope. But if it's truth, it's going to bind everything together. It's going to keep things where they're supposed to be so that you can move and fight and walk and run in this journey that Christ has called you to do. I think that's important. Though I mentioned it earlier, some of us feel constricted are constrained by a belt. Most of that is because of how many donuts I've eaten. <laughs> Catch that for a second. So I put on the belt of truth, and instead of letting the belt of truth form me, and me fit in it, I began filling my life up with other things that aren't necessities, that aren't priority, that aren't eternal, though a donut does feel eternal. It's hard to get rid of. But we feel constrained by it. And so we start trying to change it. We put an extra notch in the belt, loosen it up a little bit. Familiar with this at all? Anybody catching what I'm saying here? We begin loosening up the truth a little bit. Not making it what it really is. Not sticking to what God has purposed for us. We loosen it up a little bit. Because as I was pointed out to many years ago in student ministry, I have one of those Dunlaps. You know, my belly Dunlapped over my belt. And so because of that, because I've been feeding on the things that are from Christ, but other junk... Got to loosen up the belt a little bit or humble myself and go to Walmart and buy a new belt, one that I think is going to fit who I am. That's the world today. We take this belt of truth, we try and loosen it up, make it fit what we want it to fit around. Oh, I know I can just make this fit. Mandy, come help me. Make this fit, please. Whatever we got to do. If you've ever seen Cat Baloo, the movie Cat Baloo, there's a, there's a moment in the scene, uh, there's a scene there in the movie where uh, this gunfighter, you know, he's going to wear this big girdle thing so he looks like an actual gunfighter. I've got to pretend like I'm, you know, this gun, whatever you've got to do, cinch it, cinch it up, go get to come along so we can put that belt around, make it fit around who we want, who we want to be. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. 
We don't get to loosen it up. We don't get to change it. We don't get to make it fit around the things that we want it to fit around. I mean, it's breathed out by God for a reason. It did not come from man to fit who we are, but instead it came from God so that we would know who He is <laughs> so that we could be more like Him through Christ. And that's when we put the belt of truth on so that we become more like Christ and less like ourselves. So instead of putting another notch in the belt or loosening it up, we begin to inwardly look and reflect upon ourselves and say, please, Christ, you told me that you're leaving me this other helper, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. Please convict me. Show me areas in my life where I need to change. Not, not where I need to loosen up and try and make the truth fit around me, but instead, what is the truth? Convict me so I am more like the truth and less like myself. I mean, did John the Baptist not say that? Let me decrease so that Christ could increase so that we're more like Christ. So my challenge to you this morning is this. Don't be like me. That's enough, right? Just don't be like me. Don't try and loosen up the truth. Don't try and put another notch in it so it fits around who you are. Instead, begin studying God's Word. Reading it. Eating it. Digesting it. Living upon it the bread of life that it is, so that we would be satisfied in Christ and so that we would know what the truth is so that we could be people who are sharing the truth with others. Don't try and be something that you're not. Instead, be who Christ has made you to be. And if you have not put on the belt of truth, maybe it's because you haven't put on any of the armor. And maybe it's because you've never called Christ Lord of your life. Like you've never acknowledged, well, I know who God is, and Christ is. I mean, after the resurrection, uh, Paul wrote for us in 1 Corinthians 15. He went and he proved himself to people, like, here I am, risen from the dead. John, John 20, doubting Thomas. He goes down in the history books as this guy who doesn't believe. I'm not going to believe it till I see it. I need to see it. I need to know what reality is. Maybe that's what you need to do this week. If you've never confessed Christ as your Lord, Jesus, would you open my eyes to see who you are? Like Thomas in John chapter 20, can I see your hands? Can I see your side? Can I see the sacrifice that you made for me so I can know the truth, so I don't have to doubt anymore, but now I can know what reality is and I can be wrapped up and circled with the truth instead of things that are lies? We've read it before, but John chapter 8 uh, talks about uh, that the truth is going to set us free. Uh, Jesus says that he is the truth and he's going to set us free. And if we're free, then we're going to be really free, free indeed. And he talks about how Satan is the father of lies. It's his native language. And so when we hear lies in our society, my thought is reality is this, the truth is this. If I'm hearing a lie, it's not coming from God. It's not coming from Jesus. So it's coming from, must be coming from the father of lies, who is Satan. So I want us as people of God to be people of God who tell the truth, who are wrapped up in the truth, who are sharing the truth with others. Because I'll remind you of this and then I'll pray. Jesus, in his own words, when he said in John 14, 6, when he said, I am, he said, I am the way and the truth. So if that's the case, 
If Christ is the way and the truth and the light, and no one comes to the Father except through him, if he is the truth, then let's be wrapped up in Jesus. Not conforming to ourselves or constrained in any way or loosening things up, but instead let's conform our lives to Jesus. Let's pray. God, the, you know better than anyone the, the battle is difficult. I mean, you, you saw that and with mercy and compassion sent your son down into this battle, to this broken world, to save us from destruction, from, to save us from your wrath. So we do praise you for Christ, for Jesus. Now we're asking for your help through your Holy Spirit as we're living